Hey everyone, Michael here with a quick content warning. During our conversation about everything everywhere all at once, themes of suicide and self-destruction come up along with themes of familial harm and familial trauma. If that it makes you uncomfortable, then please, by all means, hold off on listening to this episode for a while and take good care of yourself. But with that being said, thank you for listening and on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft where we analyze the motifs and the themes behind your favorite film and television heroes and everything we say is in comic sans. I am one of your hosts, Joe Tomlin. And I'm your second host, Michael Ruiz. Well, you're not second in my heart. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Michael, I got a question for you. Yep. Do you like bagels? I do. I do love bagels. I feel like I could talk about the long history I have with bagels because for some reason... Something very all-encompassing about them. Something very encompassing about boiled dough specifically, especially when it has everything on it. You know what I mean? You like uh, you like everything bagels? Yeah. Possibly like not my sesame go-to. Seeds? You know, I like sesame seed bagels. Depends on what they have in stock, really. But yeah, I, I, would, I would fuck with an everything bagel. Do you? Um, yeah, I do fuck with everything bagels. Um... I would say my favorite is probably like the cinnamon raisin because, you know me, I like sweet stuff. Occasionally a blueberry bagel, um, seasonally a pumpkin bagel. But, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, egg bagels are pretty good, too. Um, Bagels as a whole are just pretty solid. And they're much better in the state of New York. The water's just (laughs) this. So we keep being told. I still haven't had one, but, you know, one day, one day we can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Would recommend Joe, why are we talking about bagels? Michael, we're talking about bagels today because this week um, we saw the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, Yes, we did. Probably going to be one of the greatest films of our generation. So if that isn't a glowingly positive review, go listen to that movie before we spoil the hell out of it. Yes. Yes. Like, we are a spoiler spoiler cast. It It is very important that you see this movie. Cannot recommend enough. Two thumbs up. 10 out of 10. There you go. Go watch it. This will be here when you're done. Yep. Joe, do you want to to give us a little bit of background on the movie? So uh, the film is directed by Daniels. Um, Mm -hmm. They go by Daniels, but their names are Dan Kwan and Daniel Schoenert. Mm -hmm. Uh, The main actors are Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, Ki-Hoi Kwan, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. You might recognize some, if not all, of those names. Yep. Um, the, the film was also written by the, da- by Daniels mm-hmm. and the basic plot of everything everywhere all at once, um, is that everything everywhere all at once is happening at the exact same time. Uh, <laughs> everything. Evelyn Wang played by Michelle Yeoh is a laundromat owner with her husband, Ki Hoi Kong, also known as Waymond in the film. And her, uh, daughter is played by Stephanie Shu. However, while gearing up for a new year celebration, they're being audited by the IRS and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even made worse, um, Evelyn is informed by an alternate version of her husband, Waymond, that there is an interdimensional battle for the multiverse, and only this universe's Evelyn is able to stop that. That is the basic summary. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about everything that happens in this movie because it all happens very fast and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of scenes layered on top of each other in its editing and also thematically there's a lot going on so once again if you did not listen before please go watch the fucking movie it it will also help you listen to this episode because in the same blue in the same fashion joe and i are also going to be everywhere on this episode because you could just kind of do that with this film and so if you want to know context like we're going to try our best to contextualize our analysis of course but it's going to be you know paramount that you also know what we're talking about because they will even repeat the same scene like three or four times with tiny differences and just to understand that i think it's it's cannot recommend it enough once again please go watch it would do yourself a disservice to listen to two the two of us talk about it before watching it yourself 100 percent now michael this is normally the part where we dive into the overall narrative themes of the film and yes. there are a lot there are yes. some personal themes there are some philosophical themes but before i ask you and we dive into any of that i just want to ask you personally 
What was your favorite part of the movie and what connected most personally to you? Oh my god. That's the biggest question, though. That's normally what we would say for our wrap-up thoughts. Um, I think my favorite moment of this movie, uh, it's hard to pick one specifically, but it would have to be the rock scene. Because it's like hard not to pick that one. I feel like it's such mm-hmm. a standout moment for many reasons that we're going to get into this episode. But I think that mm-hmm. moment of just pure silence, that moment of just understanding that's happened for the first time in the film between, like, between her and Joy, it it it, it just it just like punches like a fucking bullet train. It hurts so bad that like this moment is the moment they finally found some type of connection with each other and i think that there is that feeling of after having an argument with someone you care about you are brought to such a low point of frustration anger sadness everything in between that you have this kind of mutual understanding with each other at that point maybe just because you've gone that far right and only you would only go that far with someone you're willing to go there with and Man, we're like I said, we're gonna get into it, but for right now, that's that's my scene right there. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I absolutely love that scene. Um, I think my favorite one, my favorite scene, and my favorite moment in the film is when um, Evelyn realizes she stabbed Waymond. Yeah, and the repercussions of that when Waymond gives his, you know, Waymond gives his speech advocating for his uh, theme. The lesson he's trying to uh, teach Evelyn, and not to be confused with Alpha Waymond, who is the badass Waymond who is uh, controlling all the other Waymonds. I'm talking about Ernest, our regular ass dorky dad Waymond, and his idea of just being kind to each other. And the Mm -hmm. moment when Evelyn finally accepts that lesson and puts the googly eye on her forehead. And when she delivers the line... um, I'm learning to fight like you. Fuck, I'm yeah. getting choked up just saying that. But that was an incredible moment for me. But yeah. to get back to you and the moment that you loved in this uh, in this film, that scene is one of many scenes where they break from uh, traditional visual, or I mean, like, I wouldn't say traditional, but when we break from the visual storytelling that we are familiar with, there are many mm-hmm. scenes where we jump in between, say, pure, like, child hand hand drawn crayon art oh so Um, cool and the scene where there are fucking pinatas where they're just pinatas Um, (laughs) like but the fact that we we are moving in between mediums and visual not mediums but like visual languages yes and the type of communication that's ha- that's trying to be had between these two characters. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that something that is as vast and endless, um, all at the same time lifeless and, and like full of life, is a scene at the end of a canyon with two fucking dead rocks. And yeah. all we see is text on screen. Yes. So for you, what about that scene made you... What about that scene to you speaks to the idea of connecting with other people? <laughs> you spoke a little bit about it earlier, but yeah. Yeah. connecting specifically with someone who is self-destructive. Yeah. Okay. This is, yeah, let's just open the gate with this. Um, I think there's so much in this movie. I'm going to content warning this episode, but I do think that Joy is is not characterized, but is in some state suicidal in this in this story like she is trying to get to the point where she can just go into the bagel and kind of uh, end her existence and it is it is talked about constantly it is in this kind of uh, low communication the entire time is that it's like a conversation they've had before they don't know how to keep having and so there is something to be said about communicating with someone who has fallen into that level uh like that like like mental state that just it's like that cannot does not know what to like to make of themselves in those moments that's why like it's kind of connected to their final talk at the end where they're just in the parking lot and where she just says like you know i don't i don't know how i feel but i know i'm tired of feeling this way and that moment Mm -hmm. is just such a sad feeling of like this person 
does not easy doesn't even isn't even sure like what words to use to communicate their their their, their very you know jumbled feelings to other people people who they even believe on some level they care about and would hear them out in that way too it's like you even get since she can't even really talk to her girlfriend about this either it's such Mm -hmm. a heartbreaking moment of what do you do when someone you deeply love is in that place and you know there's like kind of like nothing you can say do or whatever to bring them out of it right and i think Mm -hmm. that that hits so hard for me, and you know, I can think of many relationships in my life, you know, moments of like where you were just sitting next to someone and they're, 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 they're having, a, they're in this moment. You just, you can say nothing. You know that there's no magical word you can do other than just like be there in that moment. And I think that, of course, I don't want to downplay the nature of like Evelyn being her mom knows that she can do something in this moment. I think that's what we're going to get to, especially with your scene, that there are mm-hmm. There are, this is a relationship that clearly Joy still cares about. That's why she's trying so hard, and that's why it feels so bad to communicate those things. But I think in that moment, what those rocks really communicate is all you can do is kind of sit side by side with each other to the point where if, you know, it's like, even if this is an imperfect reason, because you're just rocks at that point, if someone falls off, you know, if someone falls off the cliff, you can fall with them, so to say, because the need to be that presence around them is that kind of overwhelming feeling of love as messy as it actually is, right? It's not just mm-hmm. kind of like, it's, it's not a very, it's not a clean emotion. It's a very messy, gross, uh, overwhelming emotion that is done all through just this, uh, all the multi-layers of the interdimensional. Who would have thought using multiverse as a means to communicate about, you know, different forms of uh, feeling and expression and that level of complexity too. I think those are the things that I that I that I felt so deeply in that scene. That like that's why I kind of kept coming back to it. That's why I keep thinking about that scene with the rocks. And to that point too, even the nature of her using the googly eyes <laughs> as mm-hmm. as a way to not make light of Joy's feelings, but to try in some way to reach out to her. You know, it's those little mm-hmm. tiny things that, yeah, all you can do is put on these little tiny googly eyes. And maybe it is like a little bit meaningless, but that doesn't matter, right? It's, what matters is that, you know, this person loves you, right? And that is not nothing, actually. That actually does give these moments purpose and meaning and, and, and love in those moments, even if it's not always uh, perfect. And I think that, <laughs> man, it, it, like you said, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it because... Mm-hmm. It, it's hard not to imagine though but yeah like i guess like on you what were you thinking when that scene was happening with the rocks and the and the just and just the pure text just 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 white and black text on screen where they literally have laughs written as ha 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 <laughs> you're laughing at that and, and it's funny because in i actually saw this movie twice oh wonderful yeah um and in the both screenings were like nearly full houses um which was awesome two completely different vibes the first time i went was a bunch of like gen z late stage millennial like late later yeah i guess late stage millennials like us technically or or uh early gen z yeah joys joys a bunch of joy yes because joy's 25 so all the joys are in the audience um and we're laughing at certain scenes um and the ha 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 wasn't one for some reason but when i went in the weirdly like the scene was humorous and we got laughs out of it but it wasn't when the ha 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 text was on screen but it was when i went the second time where clearly those joys brought their dragged their fucking their parents to see this movie (laughs) dragged the evelyns and waymans of the world into um into the theater and that was a really big that ha 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 text was a really big moment um but getting back to to the thematic sense of it i was more enamored from a filmmaking perspective Mm -hmm. of the idea that we're going to cut all the noise we realize that we've been a very big loud film this entire time we have a very (laughs) we have a super high concept plot and the editing they've been doing is at an insane, frantic, rapid pace that I can only describe as like hyperspeed to get to for the film relatively longer shots of <laughs> of cutting simply shot reverse shot between these two rocks and text on screen where you can only differentiate between black and white text. It's 
it's surreal. There, there is so much weight on that scene mm-hmm. as there is weight on the following as on basically every scene after that has the weight of a climax to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene that I'm referring to with, um, um, uh, Evelyn putting on the eye when, when Evelyn is in the, is at the new year's party and completely given into nihilism there's more my brain is having a hard time keeping track of it all to be honest <laughs> yeah no of course right like it's 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 mm-hmm. inter like it's incoherent intentionally so at times right mm-hmm. and i think specifically during that moment as well like you're seeing her just like tank like across across like the multiverse just tank all of her relationships right and, mm-hmm. and and fall into the same level of despair that joy does as well right fall into mm-hmm. that level of just yeah, like, you know, nothing matters, who cares, right? I'm just going to kind of, uh, you know, and I'm going to specifically lash out at the people around me who love me, right? You know, I- I'm going to de- I'm going to destroy my immediate uh, environment because, like, that is what, that is what's within reach right here. And also, that is what, ha- that that is what has hurt me, too. You know, like, right. this laundromat has hurt her in some capacity, you know, you know, even even her perceptions of her husband at that moment are also as one who stole something from her. Right. You're, you're talking about Evelyn in this moment. Yeah. And th- when you when you said that, it, it, it made me think of another thought about the rock scene. Of course. Um, so I think this film has a theme and the idea and continue with the idea of connecting with people who are self-destructive. The film has an ethos of the inverse of that there's a lot of conversations around kindness especially in the face of nihilism yeah and i think what's interesting about joy when joy's rock falls down into the canyon this is about and like talking about themes of of suicide i think this film advocates for the idea of connections with others equal disconnecting yourself from others disconnects you from yourself Yes. Um, killing your relationships kills you mm-hmm. in that way. So to see Evelyn hurting all these people when she's in the laundromat, yeah. um, when she's hurting her sausage fingered wife played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. Um, <laughs> when she's completely ripping apart the relationship between Chad and Rakakuni. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Rakakuni. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> surprise favorite bit in the film mm-hmm. um <laughs> even even in that right like i think you're absolutely right because what does evelyn realize that what she has finally been able to do by going to that level is she has finally been able to hear her daughter right she has finally mm-hmm. been able to understand her pain in that moment and mm-hmm. you know once again this is not like you know art doesn't have to be prescriptive I'm not, this is not, this is not us co-signing that this is the way which, you know, mental health should be treated kind of thing. Uh, But this is that level of like, when you have this level, like messy kind of relationship, that is like kind of how it feels at times. Like I said, you know, thinking of family, thinking of past relationships, which is like sometimes your person is just in that space and there's kind of like nothing you could do, but try to care about them. And sometimes like you kind of just don't during those moments and I think that's where the frustration they have with each other all movie kind of comes from you know outside of you know obviously outside of Evelyn's own internalized <laughs> uh internalized uh homophobia in terms of just mm-hmm. like it's one of my favorite lines in the film where she you know she sees uh she sees Joy later or, or when she's you know all kind of all powerful and she's like oh hey you know you know this is because you're gay and she kind of pauses for a moment. She's like, wow, like I've, I've seen so many experiences, so many things. And this is the thing you're still caught up on this right here, this thing. And just like kind of like how absurdly ridiculous that sounds. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like once again, like this level of kind of like the relationship between them, of just breaking them down to like, like literally breaking them down till they're, till they are just rocks till they like the fundamental parts of their relationship once again, subtlety, subtlety. I know writers who subtlety, and they're all fucking cowards. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get down to that like that small like minutia of it, and then it kind of gets them there. And I think that that's once again that's why that scene kind of hits so hard for me. And maybe it's because weirdly, at at that point, like we as moviegoers also know them to that level where we don't even need them to 
read the lines, to understand the tone and the intonation and the performance of them. We can just read them and kind of feel them, you know? I literally hear it and, like, I hear the line of, lines of dialogue in Stephanie Shu's voice at, and uh, um, Michelle Yeoh's voice as well. Yeah. Just, I can hear it. Yeah. Is like a, yeah. a, a fundamental understanding of craft, <laughs> fundamental understanding mm-hmm. of craft and characterization that lets you mm-hmm. just know who is saying what in these moments. It does not matter that one rock is like slightly bigger than the other. That really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. While still also knowing that like the second that scene opens, and you see two rocks standing side by side. You know exactly what those two rocks are. <laughs> yep. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Master, like, this film is, it's going to be nominated for a lot of Oscars. I think it should win all the Oscars it's nominated for, even though we're, like, only in April. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'll be damned if it doesn't win for best editing. Like, it's fucking insane. It's one of those things where it's, like, we talk constantly about how every now and then, like, some of your favorite kind of, like, high-collar shit, whatever it might be, or highbrow shit, whatever it might be, occasionally... You will hear people say something to the effect of like, oh, it's supposed to be jarring. It's supposed to be whatever. And this is something that I think is jarring at times and is done so intentionally and also still feels coherent and doesn't feel like it's leaving you behind. Instead of like dropping large amounts of exposition and lore and stuff on you, what it does do is just show you all of it you want to talk about a multiverse here are you know like eight multiverses in this movie all running simultaneously while you never lose track of any of them even when one of them's a world where people have hot dog fingers yeah or people who have or uh, michelle yell with incredibly strong pinky fingers or <laughs> exactly an alternate universe from the previous universe where she becomes she basically becomes a jackie chan level star by the way michelle yo deserves that uh yeah. to be absolutely clear of course uh she has done just as many action movies <laughs> yeah, of course wonderfully skilled <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, in in everything she does uh mm-hmm. I don't want to not talk about the action of this movie, but it is one of those things that, like, it is harder to talk about because it's just, it's really flashy and it's just really good. Uh, So let's just talk about this for a brief moment because I think we can also simultaneously talk about the humor, the way this movie utilizes humor specifically, and how I think we have talked before about how humor can be utilized to create a deeper emotional dive. And I think that that's exactly how the action in this movie feels, that, like, Mm -hmm. it is funny and yet the hits still land and never feels intentionally like it's 100% a joke. Just like how the jokes in this movie, like the ha-ha, hey, look, they have hot dog fingers, and all of a sudden you care about this hot dog finger universe about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about, about, the, about their two's relationship, right? About watching her play piano for the first time. because With, like, her, fin- with her toes. <laughs> with her toes, and it's like, like that level of kind of like going in between those emotions does so much and like that's like you know once again if it's going to be jarring then like let's use it for what it is and that is once again, i you know it's like i almost don't even have the words for it because it's so amazing the way in which action and humor and drama plays in between each other while also maintaining a high sci- sci-fi concept is a feat in and of its own i i say that's part of the scripting and part of the editing yeah um but to go and talk about the action and the humor for just a moment um god which scene do we want to talk about do we want to talk about the scene the opening scene with the fanny the opening action sequence of the fanny pack yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think so i do we want to talk about the scene where the where the guys fight over putting over uh a butt plug <laughs> using oh no no they're trophies that just happen to be shaped like butt plugs mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it still has like tension in it I never thought I'd be watching a scene where a guy gets uh, 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 danced into getting gunshot and then gets beat over the head with a dildo. <laughs> While also not feeling like it's like, haha, lol, random, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's also half, it's also half Joy showing off at that time how powerful he is, how powerful she is. And also, first, for a character who fundamentally believes nothing matters, it kind of makes sense that she would fight this way, too. That's like, mm-hmm. I can make you anything. I can make you, uh, you know, uh, dressed in a dancer uniform, and then you get shot while, you know, in, a, in, a, in an absurd outfit, right? Like, mm-hmm. all, like, she's just that level of powerful. And holy shit, talk about having a villain with presence, right? Absolutely. The, like a lot of people have compared it to Jim Carrey's The Mask, 
which is also inspired by like essentially Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes. I mean, even some of the sound effects are kind of reminiscent of Looney Tunes, especially in her introductory scene. Uh, A little bit of Clockwork Orange as well, especially in her appearance towards the end. But it is, yeah, Jobu Tubaki, the the alternate name for Alpha Universe Joy. Yeah, that's, um, she's she's incredible with her presence. Uh, And once again, that's in part due to the the choreography, uh, the editing, um, and uh, Stephanie Hsu's performance. Of course. But um, to go to your point about the action sequences depicting characters, it now just dawned upon me. It totally makes sense that when Waymond is introduced with his action, he's really just slapping people with a fanny pack. He's not actually hurting them. He's just slapping them. Yeah. And it isn't until all he does is put like some pebbles inside the fanny pack that, oh, now this weighs like five pounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The most damage he does is is hook the fanny pack in someone's nose mm-hmm. and drag them to the floor, which is brutal, by the way. Woo! Yeah, but incredibly creative and, and fun and lighthearted. And it also like for, for Wayman specifically, it also makes sense that he would fight, you know, with with a means to disarm and disorient, not with a means to harm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is he is like trying to skirt around this and just trying to get uh, Evelyn out. He is not trying to like fundamentally like hurt slash kill these people. And that's also a difference when Jobu Tabaki shows up, right? That mm-hmm. d- d- she killed those people, you know? Right. You know, he he is not trying to hurt them in the same way. Also, once again, it goes back to like, you know, how do we just demonstrate a multiverse in, in effect? Like, Talk about a really cool, just really cool power system, like conceit of just like kind of like the idea like you have to hit these certain conditions before you get whatever thing, right? Ooh, mm-hmm. paper cut steam. So awful now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that scene was tense. Ooh. Paper cuts always have seemed awful. That's why the scene works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, like stressing the mundanity of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah weirdly grounding weirdly grounding the fight in all of the absurdity right do you have to give yourself whew, four paper cuts whew, ah right yeah but i think you know we, we touched upon this and i'm gonna i feel like it's worth talking about especially before we kind of uh hop into talking about evelyn kind of proper uh, i'm curious joe like what do you make of this movie and this movie's relationship with nihilism like specifically nihilism like they don't say mm-hmm. that everything bagel is nihilism, but it is. That's like, that's what it is, right? Nihilism is the concept that they're playing with. Um, yeah. And it's even within the title, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once mm-hmm. is about this. The, the whole, Okay, so let's talk about nihilism real quick. Yeah, of course, <laughs> Brief of course. detour. Brief philosophical detour. Um, so nihilism is the concept that nothing matters, right? Whatever decision you make, it, 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 it does not matter because there is x endpoint right x mm-hmm. endpoint is an inevitability um yeah. there is no chance for um for one person to have any form of active choice so you just secede and accept the status uh the status mm-hmm. quo anything is of consequence but what happens with joy specifically is she is a character who accepts nihilism nothing mm-hmm. matters so therefore I can do negative things. I can take negative or bad action. I can mm-hmm. take I can take bad action. Yeah. What the film advocates for through Wayman specifically is mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity to do anything, why not just do good things? If nothing yeah. matters, then why not always do something good? Or at very least it makes the the world around you a little more bearable, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's it is a is a appeal for a, a kind of a moral responsibility that you know even if nothing mattered that doesn't like that doesn't inherently mean that your like the the feeling you're feeling doesn't right and so it's like I think this movie you know if it's going to be in conversation with nihilism understands like you said if nothing matters that means that all we really have is this short time we have together so let's try to make it as good as possible. Right. And because Mm -hmm. because there is this ending, right, because there will one day be an ending to all of it. Let's the least you can do is be kind to everyone around you while you have this like short brief of time. Well, you have this short brief time on this uh, on this bagel, so to say. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that is like a weird, I, I don't know if uh, appeal for nihilism, but it is a, a fundamental understanding that if you're going to play with this concept, there is hope even, there's a hopeful reading even within it. That like perhaps this, 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 this kind of like all sucking uh, component of it is not actually the end-all be-all of this idea. Uh, just like it isn't the end-all be-all of, you know, like kind of like that depressive spiral that people can fall into, right? You will leave this space eventually. Right? You will jump from one universe to the next. Yes. You know, it, you will kind of come full circle. And it's it's weirdly like, the fe- like feelings good and bad are fleeting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, even even how like even the good feelings that come in between our moments of turmoil or strife, they are fleeting. Of course they are. And that is kind of why you need someone else to run with you on their back. Right. It's why you need someone else to pick you up and take you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rakakuni. Um Once again, like you said, I didn't expect that bit to be that funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a great, funny, and heartwarming bit at the same time. Yes, it's why at my in my favorite scene, bringing it back, bringing this full circle. My favorite scene when Evelyn accepts Wayman's philosophy and chooses to take her actions with kindness as she goes up the staircase towards Joy and the Bagel. All the people she's interacting with, like you said, she goes out of her way not to harm physically harm them, but instead to try and heal them at some emotional point whether mm-hmm. it is trying to reunite chad with his rakakuni mm-hmm. or <laughs> um reconcile with her uh with her lover by playing a uh, piano with her feet or um slapping someone in the butt to give them uh the sexual catharsis they need mm-hmm. uh <laughs> Imagine a world where you imagine a world where we are capable with our kind of like all powerful abilities of 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 giving someone a brief respite from their from their strife, right? Whatever form that might take, right? A world actually made for people and their various needs. Yeah. What a, man, <laughs> what if, dude? Or actively try to create a world like that because exactly. the world that we live in does not do that. Mhm. Exactly. And we're going to we're going to keep going here. And I want to make sure we kind of get to Evelyn. But we do have one of our uh, one bit of our own to do, Joe, real quick. Trivia. We will hop to our multiverse multiverse of trivia. And we're back. We're going to keep this as quick as possible just because we want to make sure we get as much time with this movie as possible. So, you know the drill. We do trivia here. We quiz each other. Whoever has more points at the end, it's gonna, we're going to challenge the other one. Uh, Hot Ones style questionnaire. Tune in. <laughs> if, you know, if you've been here before, you know how this works. Anyway, Joe, I got some questions for you. Kind of about Michelle Yeoh. You know, she's so talented. Mm-hmm. So, not known fact, or I don't know if this is known to many people... This movie was originally intended to star Jackie Chan, but mm-hmm. the Daniels decided against it and they wanted to go for a female lead. I feel like Michelle Yeoh does an amazing job. And they thought of her specifically due to her work in what film she starred in with Jackie. Uh, is it Super Cop 3? It is! <laughs> yeah. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Super Cop 3! It's the it's the one where she um, um she hangs off the, the side. She does a lot of action stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, including like rolling off of a truck onto a car that Jackie Chan is driving. Yeah. And another one where she's hanging on the edge of a truck. Yeah. And one where she tank she tanked a fall too. Like holy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. Tough as shit. Yeah. Anyway. Uh very good job. Uh do you know what other movie starred Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Shu? We- uh did it ha- did it happen to be turning red? <laughs> no, no, it was not turning red. Oh my god. We talked about it on the podcast. Oh my fuck me. Perhaps think of the other movie with Michelle Yeoh in it. I'm trying my best <laughs> to think of the other movie that Michelle Yeoh is in. What if I told you that there was fire in the sky? Oh, that's right. 
holy shit, it's Shang-Chi. Yes, Stephanie Chu was in Shang-Chi. Yeah, she oh was the friend, God. right? She was the yeah, friend she was the friend. Fun of them. Yeah, she was a friend of the bar. It's wild. Like, <laughs> what? What are you doing in this movie? <laughs> you are so much better than this role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> you got it exactly right. Just because I was like, what? I also didn't realize that until I looked it up for this for this episode. Great job. Uh, do you know? And what other, Joe? What other movie did the Daniels direct that we both, you and I, and our various and our extended friend group have a deep, deep fondness for? The, that that it, that would be Swiss Army Man, sir. That would be Swiss Army Man. The movie starring Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe's dead farting corpse. Honestly, fire. Like a great film. Great film. Also one de- also one dealing with uh life and death. Hmm. How about that? The meaning of life is life pointless. What does it mean to be human? There there yeah. there is a natural like philosophical progression from that film to this film, but that's for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those are all the questions I had for you, Joe. What do you got? Mm -hmm. So the first question I have for you, Michael, is who in this film voices the puppet Rakakuni? I I have no idea, actually. I feel like I should have looked this up. So I'm just going to guess that it was uh, one of the directors. I'll just say it was uh, I'll say it was it was Dan Kwan. (laughs) Okay, okay. I I really want you to get this. (laughs) (laughs) I really want you to get this. So, Rakakuni is based on, it's a riff on Ratatouille, right? Yes, of course. Okay, so obviously the character is not voiced by Patton Oswalt. But can you think of another Pixar-adjacent person who may voice this character? It's not Alan Tudyk, is it? No, but that's another good guess. It's actually Randy Newman. What? Really? Yeah, in the scene where it's um, where Evelyn walks in on them in the kitchen, they're singing a song together. It's a song that was written by Randy Newman for this movie. Oh my god, what now? Yes, and every other scene where Chad and Rakakuni are yelling at each other, that is Randy Newman's voice yelling at Chad. Oh my god, what? That's hilarious. Yep. Good for them. Solid mm-hmm. bit. I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm floored. I would not have guessed that, but I'm still floored. Okay, so we for my second question, we both know that Stephanie Hsu does a phenomenal job as Joy and Joby Tabaki. But yeah. who was originally going to play Joy in this film? Oh, who's originally going to play Joy? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Who's originally going to play Joy? Can I get? Uh, right now, I'll I'll give you a little bit more before I give you my hints. I don't know. Who was originally going to play Joy? Okay, I'll give you my hint. My hint was the same hint as your hint. Wait, from the from, from the Shang-Chi question? Yeah. Was Could it be Aquafina? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? I know. Aquafina was originally going to play the role, but due to scheduling con- conflict, she had to back out, and she recommended Stephanie Hsu. She Damn. interviewed, and there was just like, fuck it. And to be honest, I love Stephanie Hsu as this character. I really couldn't imagine Aquafina doing it. I agree. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really happy. They, yeah, yeah. She killed mm-hmm. it. So damn. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> My final question for you is: What movie did Daniel uh, Scheinart direct on his own without Daniel Kwan? Isn't it that movie like The Death of Dick Long or something like that? Hell yeah, it is <laughs> The Death of Jesus. Dick Long. Another movie that is. I'm not sure if it's philosophically sound, but it's very character driven and very character motivated and a slightly convoluted plot. Oh, God. I love that movie. It's about man's hubris. And I do mean men. It's it's a very it's a film about talk to masculinity in a way. Uh, but it's it's real fucking funny. Um, mm-hmm. Would recommend it. Well, OK. You know, <laughs> what a, what a question to bounce back from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, very fun. Joe. We've been kind of dancing around Evelyn in this move with this during our analysis so far, mostly just because you know it. It's hard to talk with. There's so much like I said. Like you said the top of this. There's so much to talk about this movie, but let's let's zero in a little bit on Evelyn. And I do want to make note that like we like you said. I don't know if you said this when we were recording or not. That Evelyn and Joy could very easily be interchangeable as the like antagonist or protagonist, depending on how you view this movie. So to say, like, even though we do follow Evelyn the most. Maybe yeah, she's she might not be entirely the hero of this story, uh, but mm-hmm. we're gonna fo- for the purposes of this, we're gonna focus on Evelyn as our perspective. What 
what what what do you what comes to mind when you think of Evelyn and her arc throughout this movie? For for Evelyn as a character, I see her as someone who is learning to love herself and love others again. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't she doesn't love herself, she isn't capable of giving that love to others. At yeah. the beginning of the film, she's very frantic. She's very unfocused and not really willing to engage with everyone around her. Um, or at least not at least not engage with them in earnest. So when she is confronted by going through the multiverse and seeing these different versions of herself, she begins to feel like a sense of regret about and like really acknowledge, oh, I really regret the choices that I made. Yeah. But she learns to appreciate the choices that she made and yeah. why she made them over the course of her journey. And it's because of that. Because of that lesson, she's able to pull joy out of the bagel. Yeah, that's like a very oversimplified version of what <laughs> what happens. Uh, to yeah, be clear, of no, I get you though. I mm-hmm. think that like you've you've nailed something very specific. I think it, the, the man, it's one of those things where I think this movie is like so messily honest with 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 Evelyn specifically about how I think exactly right that. When you don't when you don't take the basic needs to take care of yourself, you are not taking good care of the people around you. Like so many so many media we like to watch or just consume in general, we are, we are surrounded by so many heroes or characters that are like kind of paragons of some kinds that are like for lack of a better term like silent sufferers. You know, like they are characters who 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 suffer from whatever that whatever uh, that ails them that plagues them but they are kind to everyone around them and that's not nothing and you know people people can still like you know be going through something and still choose kindness of course but i think that you know for the purposes of this movie it makes sense to have a character like evelyn be yes I can't do, like, the basic needs of treating everyone around me with, like, kind of a holistic goodness because she has been so slighted. She has been so wrong during her whole life. And she has so much, like, kind of uh, inner turmoil about it. That it makes no, it makes perfect sense that she can't connect with others, right? That, like, because <laughs> she has, like, n- never done the, the basic needs of, of, of caring after herself, she can't even begin to, to, to see outside of that, Right. And there's something mm-hmm. like deeply selfish, of course, about that. But also, like that is the nature of that level of like self-destruction, right? That like that feeling mm-hmm. of just I am just like this way, and I don't know how to kind of get out of it. And you know, for reasons both inside of me and externally from me, like what do we even do about that? And that feels so. That feels like such an honest portrayal of 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 a of a character in this state. Uh, while still being empowering at times, and I, I think that like it, it speaks so much to Michelle Yeoh's performance that she is able to do both. Like she is both able to simultaneously play this character of deep emotional complexity while being a kick-ass action star. You know, mm-hmm. it's just range is what it is. I know that's all it is, but holy shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. to have someone who can just do it all like that, and also like not lose sight of the other when one is happening her getting to even peer into like her desire to kind of get to that point where she does kind of like fall down and like fry her own brain from glimpsing into the different timelines is because she's kind of loose on the nature of like, wow, I could have been all these other things. Oh, by kind of like taking those like small little bits of them, I can have those lives while I deeply regret my own. Right. That is, that is like how she is also like, you know, in, like I said, in contact with joy, she is also like self-destructive just in her own way. Right. Uh, just in a in a perhaps a more mundane sense than than uh, Jobu Tabaki. Yes, and that the pain that she was inflicted that that had been inflicted upon her systemically, society societally, you know, as a woman, as an immigrant, as an Asian woman immig- immigrant, mm-hmm. but also you know from her her parents, from her father specifically, the way in which her father hurt her. Yeah. allow basically created the status quo for her to not be able to connect with her daughter yeah and then that hurts their relationship another really great scene is when evelyn does her best to reconcile with joe uh which jo- <laughs> oh freudian slip there 
Oh, man. Uh, man, do I need to talk about my relationship with my mother right now? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but um, when Evelyn tries to reconcile with Joy <laughs> and she takes Joy by the hand, well, Joy is physically uncomfortable and says mm-hmm. and goes to her father and, and says, hey, I realize she to Joy, you know, subtextually is saying, hey, I realize what I did was wrong earlier. I should love you no matter what, and I should always be proud of you. Yeah. And I know that this is a person that I need to stand up to, and I should stand up to him not just for myself, but for you. Yeah. And so when she goes to uh when she goes to Gong Gong and says, um, you know, this is Joy's girlfriend specifically, that's it, it's a wonderful scene of her realizing what she needs to do, but it's not even in that moment, it's not enough for Joy. But it does help her heal her relationship with her father and her standing up for herself and her needs and also standing up for others and their needs. It's selfish, it's selfish and selfless at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little complicated, but it's nice. If, if <laughs> maybe in reality a bit, you know, for all the fantasy aspects of this film, that one feel that moment feels a lot like wish fulfillment fulfillment in mm-hmm. a way. You know, I wish a lot of parents would watch that scene and learn Evelyn's lesson. But yeah. um I don't know. At least, you know, from a character standpoint, I thought it was a great beat. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, you know, of, of course, like in, in some capacity there could there, I agree with you. Like there is that level of the fact that the uh, Gong Gong immediately just kind of accepts it. Um mm-hmm. But perhaps like, of course, like, like, like with many things, we're always like, I understand also wanting to be like, do we really want to end the movie with that? Like, like with homophobia like that kind of thing not because mm-hmm. it not you know not because it doesn't exist but because it just like these characters have gone this way we want to see them given some type of resolution right one that isn't like holistically uh awful so to say um mm-hmm. as like you know stare you know staring in the face of bigotry can be while simultaneously i do agree with you that like also them having that moment also in the parking lot i think makes makes it so it doesn't feel so neat it makes it so like that moment where mm-hmm. she says like you know i think evelyn communicates to joy at that point like you only come around when you need something you don't ever ask me how i'm feeling you don't ever do these things and you know Way- wayman tries to stop her but you know joy like being an adult kind of i think at that point can also assert herself as knowing that she can hear that like she can hear the fact that her mom requires her to not always be just a child anymore and there's that like mm-hmm. that double simultaneous moment of like, I am your mother, but also we're both adults now and we kind of need to recognize that with each other rather than her stealing the agency from her in that moment like she did in the earlier part of the movie. I guess a moment I think a lot of kids, especially when you have a messy relationship with one of your parents, you have when you're older, which is just like, now that we're both adults, weirdly, we can communicate better than when you when we when I was a child child. And it's still not perfect. But there is something to be said about the fact that, like, I am an adult and I can understand you as, like, a very failing person just like me. And the fact mm-hmm. that you are you you are just as, like, kind of messed up as I am is 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 sad and, <laughs> and terrifying in some ways, mm-hmm. but also weirdly comforting because it knows that the very first person I, you ever looked up to is very likely just as flawed as you are. Like it mm-hmm. is, and it's, it's probably and very much likely flawed for similar reasons. Which is why the line that Joy says when Joy says, "Well, this is awkward," yeah, it, it resonates. Yeah, it it doesn't resonate because you know it's like a team like, "Oh, it's awkward because I'm hugging my mom." It's awkward because we both see each other for who we are. Finally, yeah. mm-hmm. because anything is okay because nothing matters, right? If nothing matters, then like these these tiny moments. Like these are these are the things that can have meaning, right? It it mm-hmm. it does not change the way they feel in those moments, right? Because mm-hmm. also, you know, so much of Joy's internal struggle is born from that like destructive feeling of like I feel bad and I just want to not feel bad anymore. Mm-hmm. And this moment, however brief is a release from that and so therefore Mm -hmm. it does have some meaning to me and that Mm -hmm. once again it's 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 heartbreaking it's sad and it's just uh, a mother hugging her daughter in a parking lot right Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. I want to I want to make sure we get to this. And I do think that like this is something that perhaps we cannot speak with the level of authority because we are not parents. But I will say that like the entire movie, the nature of her having this alternate reality where she is this famous movie star and she's not married to Wayman and Jobu Dubaki's not there because it is a timeline where Joy was not born, right? That like mm-hmm. this is a world that Joy can't ruin because I never had her, right? And there is something holistically fucked up about that, right? I never, I did not think about that. I did not realize the reason why Joy never enters into those scenes is because she physically cannot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Th- wow, Michael. Thank you for pointing that out to me. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I, I, I'm i not the first person <laughs> to, to say that. I read that. I, I read that from Critique Online. You know, we'll, we'll link <laughs> it in the show notes because maybe the, it, I think this movie is worth doing that. The nature of her, like, having this relationship with people she, like, fundamentally loves and cares about. And she gets to see this glimpse of a life where she is, she's happy, right? She's, she's, she's kind of having all this success, this kind of, like, very kind of like fantasy style of success and a world where she kind of has all those things while still it's not that I think it presents that life as like empty in some capacity, but it does, it does, it is empty to Evelyn who views it, right? It is empty to Evelyn who sees this altered timeline where joy and Wayman aren't present in it in the same way that mm-hmm. they are in her life. And so therefore at the same, in the same way, that kind of asserts Joy's meaning in her life for Evelyn and like for Evelyn in our world, right? For Evelyn in our mm-hmm. dimension, so to say. Yeah, of course, like, you know, she's happy, but she also didn't get the, you know, she didn't get the joy of having you, right? And so inherently, there is something missing. There's not something missing for her, but there's something missing for me. And I think that that is like the relationship of having that kind of like complicated, like person you love in your life, right? Of course, like, mm-hmm. you know, some things, maybe something would be easier, right? Maybe you wouldn't have to do X, but you all, like, that's not the end-all be-all of your relationship with that person mm-hmm. um, or that timeline or whatever. And once again, I think that that's what allows, that's what allows this multidimensional concept to be utilized to stress, like, the messiness and the uh, interweaving of love and hate that kind of uh, fuels their relationship towards each other. You know, which is why, which is why Joyce, you know, desperately seeks her out in every single timeline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one leads into the other and it's very sad. And when she's unable to connect with them, she kills them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, it is a, it's a very heartbreaking story and I, I love it so much. <laughs> there's, there's a really interesting, um, through line, um, with uh i think turning red in a way yeah i I, i've seen people make that comparison so go for it yeah i I think it's interesting to see another film about a mother-daughter relationship the relationship is strained and mom needs to learn a lesson here to connect with daughter i think well that film is necessarily about connecting during like adolescence and puberty this is after the fact this is this is a different kind of connection this is after all the mess of, of that growing up. This is what that person has become. How do you reconcile with that? And, you know, maybe that's why I probably, I connect with both films and I love both films. They are the best films of the year, to, in, my, in my opinion, thus far. Mm-hmm. But this one connects more because it connects with me now, right? Yeah. And on top of that, it's playing, <laughs> we're both 25. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but on top of that, I think another part of what makes this film and Evelyn as a character relatable, not just Joy, because I think we talked a lot about, you know, in in spite of this episode being about uh, Evelyn, I think we've talked a lot about how we relate to Joy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk. I want to talk about how we relate to Evelyn. And we Mm -hmm. I think I relate to Evelyn because of this concept of like failure being a strength. Um, Mm -hmm. Wayman's line of like, you are good at nothing. You suck at Mm -hmm. everything and you failed. And that's why you are the best person for this, because you've learned all those lessons and you can build upon that. You can do yeah. anything you want to do. Yeah. And that that's so reassuring as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as someone who has 
like Evelyn, I have changed my career path and what I wanted to do my entire, it was my, my joke in high school was that I changed who, what I wanted to be every week, <laughs> you know? So, and like, even, even now I I'm, you know, um, as I've, I've decided to set down a very specific path, I have my own doubts yeah, and, and concerns, but gosh, this idea that like, Hey, that's okay, buddy, you can fuck that up and it'll be okay. So long as you're able to connect to to take care of your basic needs and connect with other people and give them kindness, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And in this nihilistic world that we live in, where <laughs> the, you know, I may not live to, to the end of my day because I'm going to drown <laughs> mm-hmm. on a beach um, or in a hurricane um, or die in a fire <laughs> in the mm-hmm. middle of a rainforest. It's OK, because I tried my best. Absolutely. And I think that even there is something deeply true in that nature. I think you're absolutely right. That is, if we're going to talk about how this movie is about these, you know, these two women who've been kind of like stunted by things that happened in their past, it is, you know, it is because of like, you know, as they say, like their inner child that like never was cared for, never, never got a chance to grow up. And I think that that notion of like specifically, I think for us, I think for a lot of people who who who, who struggle with uh, motivation or devotion or whatever, that like you try so many things and you lose interest in them after a short amount of time. You you lost interest because it started getting too difficult or it started to become too much money or it started to become too whatever. Like blockers, however big or small, exist out there, and as a result, you're kind of just left with all those like half formed skills, right? And a lot of what ifs. And so, like, you could even read, like, what's good, reading the multi-dimensional worlds as they are, it is, like, that moment of, like, when you're first getting into a hobby or something, and you're like, oh, what if this was my thing? You know, like, what if I just dedicated my whole life to this? What if I turned into, like, you know, the influencer, right? You know, I had, you know, X amount of whatever, you know, make it, break it in, like, a bunch of money that way. Yeah, it is, it is weird to think about, think about yourself in those terms. And also, simultaneously... All it kind of does is make you feel bad about where you're currently at mm-hmm. because you, you don't have the thing you've just imagined. And I think that I, I absolutely agree. You know, as someone who, who feels like he even does that to this day where I joke that I have phases still as an adult <laughs> of like, oh, I get really into X for a little while. There was a while during quarantine where I was committed. To, I thought I was going to become a soap carver just because I was at that moment of the quarantine where i was like i'll try soapstone carving because why not (laughs) and as a result you know i have i have like a random chisel just lying around my room now because like and all it ever meant all it kind of like when i look at it now all i look at it and see is oh hey there's that thing i wasted like you know twenty dollars on you know which in the grand scheme of things isn't that much but it is something that exists and it's like a reminder of something i did I think that, like you said, with Evelyn and that failure, that is the that is the thing, right? That is the thing that you kind of gravitate towards and is like something something that like you we all tangibly I don't know if we all but we tangibly struggle with. And that's what makes Evelyn, however flawed, so understandable. So like immediately understandable as both mm-hmm. like a hero and perspective character. And we are, we are kind of getting we are getting the time here, so you know it's impossible it's impossible to talk about everything in this movie. We have not we have not talked about we've barely scratched the surface with Wayman. We barely talked about like this movie's usage of kindness. But for what we have talked about, Joe, what are your wrap up thoughts with this movie? Just because it is so kind of like compact in all of this. So if you could try your best to to you know depict your takeaways from this, uh, what how would you best do that? Um, I'm going to try to be as like systematic as possible. Of course. As a film, technically, this is a Marvel. It was yes. made for $25 million. It has some incredible actors and actresses. By the way, Waymond, played by... Um, I'm going to shout him out right now <laughs> because we have to. Waymond, um, uh, played by Ki-Hoi Kwong. He is in The Goonies, and he is in Temple of Doom. Um... He gave up on acting when he was a teenager because he didn't think that he was going to get a significant role as an Asian man um, until this film. And um, or actually, he got inspired by Crazy Rich Asians to get back into the acting biz, um, at least 
Yeah, he was behind the camera for a while, but then he got back in front of the camera. And I'm so happy for him. The reason why I bring that up now is because every single actor and actress in this film is absolutely fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On top of the film technically being a marvel and the way in which is edited, in which the ap- action is shot, the script, the, the costumes and the makeup, all of it, incredible. So on that level, it, 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 it's a perfect fucking film. On the thematic level, it hits everything that I like. I like films that make me think about philosophy. Go listen to our episodes in The Matrix because this film was influenced by The Matrix. You know, I love the sense of humor. I love the idea of kindness and love being something that is worth fighting for in a world that seems hopeless. That makes me feel good. (laughs) Um, Thoughts on Evelyn specifically. I think Evelyn is in is an incredibly relatable character. I think she is an inspirational character. Um, I personally relate to her, Waymond, and Joy at the same time. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. walking out of the theater with my with my friends in there, and we were all like, who do we map onto? And I'm like, honestly, I, I, I feel for all of them. Yeah. Like, all three of our main characters, I, I completely get every single one. And that's why Evelyn deserves a champion belt. You know, in every universe, she yeah, gets it. Absolutely. Even yeah. the one... E- e- even the one where she separates a man and his raccoon. Hey, she's running to get him there, though. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I, mm-hmm. I'll just say, like, you know, as, as someone who I feel like it, it's impossible to not look at uh, Evelyn and not think of my own mom kind of thing, even to the down to mm-hmm. the idea that, like, the, the vest she wears all the whole movie is looks mm-hmm. almost identical to the one my mom wears as, like, you know, to her job, to her teaching job. It's a oh, shit. Yeah, great job costuming everyone of just like knowing how <laughs> mom dresses. <laughs> and so like it's impossible to not imagine that. But I obviously, of course, would go even further to say that on some fundamental level, I still understand Evelyn, even though like I, I saw this movie with my mom and my 13 year old little sister <laughs> or 12 year old little sister who absolutely love the movie, too, despite some of the you know adult content. I think she really enjoyed it. I think she understood it most of it for the for the most part too. I think that it's one of those things where I struggle so much with humor. I think personally as a, as a writer and trying to interject humor where I feel like it is most appropriate. And to see a movie like this, like you said, on that pure craft level, just be fucking phenomenal in every single way possible. That is like just it, it's 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 marvelous. It's inspirational. It's aspirational. Man, I just this movie is just such a good on all fronts, and you know it. it having people and having lived through the 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 quarantine with a family who who is all who kind of was throwing all kinds of directions during that time, who have who have now I've been in those kind of like very close proximity and forced into those very uncomfortable conversations at times with people who you know with people I love who are in those moments, and I am unsure of what to say to them. This movie knowing how to not only depict that but also uh how like what the what the takeaway should be so to say is 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 both heartwarming and uh heartbreaking and i just i I can't recommend it enough and goddamn we could do a second episode but yeah we have a limited hour format so evelyn absolutely gets a champion belt and you know what this movie just gets uh an infinity out of 10 i get infinity an infinite amount of seasoning on your infinite amount of uh, everything bagels. <laughs> that is a really good one. Uh, I was going to give it a uh, ten uh, sausage fingers out of ten sausage fingers. That's also good. Maybe add like ten toes to that as well that you use to play piano. Yeah. Even like the idea that we told a multi-dimensional story. Like I thought Spider Verse the only one that could do it. That wasn't obnoxious. <laughs> Right. God, we can't do it. We can't do it. Anyway, Joe is at 21 and I am at 22.5. The lead is dropping. We're going to get that tie, even though we've been told and informed that one of us, you know, we shouldn't aim for a tie, but I kind of want a tie. We'll see what ends up happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, you know, go out, everyone. Hug someone you love. Because, you know, like this movie says, even if nothing matters, you could still care and love the people around you. But until then, everyone, we love you. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.